Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a movement by Laura podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns. So together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings everywhere. I hope you're having a wonderfully movement oriented day. And today I thought I would talk about seven lessons that I've learned from my dogs. I think that anyone who has had a dog can relate to these lessons. And even if you haven't, I think you can take these lessons into your own behavior and realize that any animal we can learn a lot from. And in particular, the animals that we share our homes with, our companion animals, our cats, our dogs, Maybe they're bunnies or little pigs, or it could be bigger animals, but they can really teach us a lot. And dogs in particular, because we've share with them a relationship, it's a little different than a cat's relationship. And I love cats. I'm really a cat person in many ways, but the dogs are by our sides in ways that even the cats are not necessarily because they can go out with us out in the world in ways cats can't. But I also, they have a, they're programmed and wired differently that um, in ways that can really teach us how to interact with others and how to think about um, ourselves and how to treat ourselves and then how to find joy in things. So let's start with, in, in a kind of very David Letterman type way, let's start with number seven and we'll go backwards. So Number seven, dogs, or what we can learn from dogs. This is a quote from Nora Roberts. Everything I know, I learned from dogs. So taking that quote, number seven, what can they teach us? How to be present. Dogs are truly living moment to moment. And if you have any doubt about that, think about a time when you or someone you know um, saw a dog, their dog, your dog, and then you left and maybe forgot something and came back in. And it was virtually two minutes that went by. And there's just this, you're here, this present of like, you are here. 
even though you were here a few moments ago, what I'm focusing on is you're in the here now. It's like they're really, really, really present in a way that is so fascinating and we could learn so much from. We are creatures that really live in the past or in the future and rarely in the moment, in the present. And I often talk about this when I talk about movement because our body, similar to dogs, our body is always in the present moment. We are feeling our body and experiencing our body in the present. That doesn't mean that our past has not influenced the way we feel in our body now. You know, if we have mistreated our body, we might be feeling the results of that, but we feel our body in this present state. Whereas our mind tends to skip forward to the future or dwell in the past. So dogs are similar. They're really like our own bodies. They are they are here. They are present in a way that we um, only can get glimpses of. And so we can just learn from them. It's great to you know roll in the grass, to sit and stare off at something and just be present, be present. So number six, I put treats for the win, <laughs> exclamation mark. It's that positive reinforcement that um, dogs really take to with a little simple treat and how easily satisfied they are with just that reward. I think we could really learn a lot from that. Sometimes we, um, as humans, and this is probably influenced by many things in our life, certainly society and marketing and consumerism and all that, we can, we have little that we can get very excited about. You know, like it really, you see it. And you see it with the kids, how... You know, I've traveled around the world and I've seen kids who have so much less than my kids or kids um, that live in, you know, more affluent areas um, that have, and they not even affluent, but just have the basics, you know, and, and are able to go to school. And so you realize when when you see um, kids who haven't had that, they the littlest thing makes them extremely happy. And then you you really witness as a parent that same enthusiasm. You know, it's the kid that's like two years old and they open up something and they're as excited about the bow on the wrapping paper as they are about the toy. And then over time, something happens where that little thing that was so delightful is just kind of boring or mundane and maybe kind of like Harry Potter's cousin, I think it was, what was his name? You guys know. But he was like, you know, he had to get the number of gifts for his birthday. And of course, that was an exaggeration, true hyperbole of, of how spoiled a kid can be. But this idea of just not being satisfied with much of anything. And you look at a dog and how easily satisfied they are. If you ask them to do something and they get a treat and it's just like the best thing in the world. So treats for the win, like really look for the little treats in life. The that wonderful cup of coffee, or you know that person letting you walk across the street instead of like taking you know when you have that um, you're going across the walkway 
I always appreciate this. I, and the, you get the pedestrian has the right of way, but a person's making a turn and they also have a green light. And it's just, it's nice when the car stops because you're in the middle of the, it's really, you know, those little things like treats for the win, like be, be appreciative of um, those things that, that do add up to matter. And, um, and just that friendly smile that somebody gives you. And also how about just treats for yourself? Don't, don't deprive yourself of something like be excited about the little things too. And I think that dogs, again, with their just, it's almost as if they're smiling when you just acknowledge, Hey, here's a little treat. You did something great or you're just cute or whatever it is. Can we be that excited and get our own treats and also treat ourselves with that same level of delight? Number five, loyalty is powerful. I think loyalty is so underestimated and maybe even undervalued in our society. And this is this has many layers to it. But I think when the loyalty that a dog exhibits to his or her person, it's it's really unparalleled. And if we could just have a little bit of that loyalty to other people, to our animals, to our mission in life, and not nothing should come in a way. It should be so fiercely obvious. And we should have that veracity in our loyalty um, to our people, to our um, community, and to our mission. And that that's powerful, that level of loyalty. And so let us learn from dogs how to be loyal. And no matter what, you know, not to be a fair-weathered friend and to appreciate the people you do have in your life the animals you have in your life and have that sense of not only just camaraderie, but true loyalty. I'm going to be there for you. I'm, I'll, I've got your back type of thing. So I love that. You just feel like no matter what, your dog is just going to find you, you know, going to be there for you. And that's so beautiful and powerful. Number four, have fun. <laughs> you know, I try to bring this into my yoga classes and and I remember when I first started teaching in the style that I'm teaching now, my method, um, it was over, you know, it was close to 15 years ago, 15 to 10 years ago, I was kind of playing around with it and it had come after a streak of doing more classical vinyasa. And, and I would, I would infuse these moves in there and it would it, sometimes people would look at me like, "Is this okay?" Like they needed permission to smile in yoga, and I wanted to say, "People, where is all the fun gone? Like, we need to find the fun, and it needs to be in everything. Like, yoga should not be serious. It really shouldn't. Like, why? Life is so serious. We need to feel levity. We need to feel brightness and cheerfulness, and have fun." And we can do that in our yoga practice, in our movement practice. We can do it in our life. We can choose to do something just because it's fun. I was teaching a class earlier today and it was called Hop To It. And it was really this idea of, from a PT standpoint, of pushing off using the lever of your foot, which is super powerful, especially your big toe, 
And using that reaction, ground reaction force where you land and you spring back up. And that's the, one of the biggest jobs of the fascia is to absorb and return the energy. And it's fun to hop. How many people are just hopping around on one leg? How many people are skipping? So let's learn from dogs. Have fun. You know, they, they are always exploring and getting that gnarly old ball. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a new toy to have fun with it. Um, just find the joy in the little things. And of course, a lot of joy in uh, moving and in snuggling with each other, with our dogs. So have fun. Number three, kind of coming off of that, almost a segue, is exercise. A happy dog. I remember re- I remember reading this and hearing this and all the dog whisper type things. A happy dog is an exercise dog. You know, when um, dog trainers have been asked, and I remember reading this because I had not had a dog and I really wanted to make sure that I had not only a well-trained dog, but a happy dog. And it said, um, every book, manual, podcast, whatever I would listen to would say, if your dog has behavioral issues, uh, more likely than not is because the dog has not been um, outside and exercised. And that that was just, I was like, oh, that makes sense. You know, they just, they need to, they want to, ex- they want to run. They want to move their bodies. Now, every dog breed is a little differently and certain dogs have been bred, quite frankly, that it's not great for them to run. And that's that's probably, they're a little bit more showy than, than, um, than the original kind of canine breed purpose. Um, because, you know, if you have a flat face and you can't take in the breath, it's hard to run over and over again, but dogs still try. They, and then there's certain dogs that are just like running, running, they could run 10 miles. No problem. The the exercise is fundamental. It's really, they're hardwired for it and they're happy. You, You get this sense of joy and purpose, really. We also have that. We are hardwired to move. And we are hardwired to play and we're hardwired to move in a variety of ways. So dogs are exploring and they're jumping over. Like when I take my dogs for a walk in the woods, they are never uh, just kind of randomly walking, ho-hum. They're moving, exploring. We could we go on the same path every day and every day is, is a different sense of joy and, and newness and discovery. And they're moving their bodies in a variety of ways, running up, running down, getting across things, burrowing under things. It's just, uh, it's so fascinating to watch. And so we need to move with that same kind of intensity and curiosity as, as a dog. So exercise, exercise, a happy dog, a happy person is an exercise person. I always say, I think people that are really just disciplined. And it, and I hate to use the word discipline because people automatically think like, oh my gosh, they're so serious and they don't are rigid. Discipline is a good word in my book. The people who are really disciplined about their exercise, meaning it's a non-negotiable, I feel like they're often the most well-rounded mentally. And it's that happiness. We need that movement. We all need it. The endorphins, all the, the happy hormones in the body, um, require movement and exercise. We get our heart rate up, we break some up sweat and the dogs don't break a sweat. They they break a pant, but um, they they move, they exercise. All right, number two, 
How about some um, unbridled enthusiasm? I always use that term. And at first I was actually using, I used that term kind of in a way like almost a snobby way because I was a cat person for many years. I still am. I'm an animal person. I don't like to say cat or dog, but meaning I didn't, I, I lived many years without a dog and I had my cats and I kind of am more like a cat. Like I like to kind of, you know, assess the situation and then come up and cuddle, but then I want some space. You know what I mean? I'm just like clean and I'm can have my quirkiness, but dogs, sometimes their unbridled enthusiasm was almost like over the top, you know, like they run at you like, I've never seen you before, even though I just saw you two minutes ago. And just this sense of, yeah, enthusiasm, zest. It's, it's really, again, I, I, it's, I don't, you don't witness it in too many other species. And so, but that unbridled enthusiasm would be, it, it would be amazing if we had people in our lives, people that were close to us, people that we see on the street that had just an ounce of that. If you could just like, you know, bottle a little bit of that enthusiasm and, and kind of sprinkle it around. I mean, can you imagine going around the streets of New York, having that kind of enthusiasm of like, Hey, how are you today? <laughs> so great to see you. People might think you're really nuts, but wouldn't that be really, really wonderful? Because I think it's enthusiasm that is sorely lacking. And I think it's in all fronts. It kind of comes with this critical thinking mind. Because I think when you are a critical thinker, you there is this enthusiasm for knowledge. There's enthusiasm for looking at things from different perspectives, enthusiasm for trying something out, and then just enthusiasm for sharing it. And so I really try and bring my enthusiasm into my body and then therefore into my teaching and in my life. And it and there is a, a real trickle-down effect for that. So I am not I have not yet matched the enthusiasm of my two dogs charging toward the door to greet me, but I um I hope to one day have that <laughs> because I could just really make somebody's day or scare them off, one of the two. But that um, unbridled enthusiasm, uh, let's all let's all bottle a little bit of that and um, maybe be the first to do it. You know, like don't wait for permission, just go out and do it because that's what a dog would do. It just, the dogs just come at you and they are excited to see you and it, and and undeterred. And none of that is ever dulled, you know, day by day. It's um, really beautiful. So number one, this is a really important lesson I think we can learn from dogs and that is forgiveness and their ability to, and I think a lot of animals, I've seen this over the years in, in, in going and visiting animal sanctuaries and in hearing these just horrific tales of abuse or abandonment or near-death experience from starvation or something. And then just, and of course, we have the Michael Vicks of the world who just did un, you know, unfathomable, torturous things to dogs. And those dogs were rescued and the ones that had survived you know, the people said they were scarred, literally scarred all over their body and just came to the humans with this total forgiveness. Like your species 
practically killed me. And yet I'm here and I'm so excited to see you. It's, it doesn't mean that dogs who have had abuse don't still have fear or are frightened, but their willingness to forgive is quite frankly, um, one, one of the most unbelievable qualities because I'm sure over, over the time it hasn't always worked for, in their favor in terms of, you know, you always think about the, the species that is the strongest is going to keep surviving, but maybe being too forgiving has not always worked for them, but it didn't, it didn't matter. The spirit of the dog is to forgive and to come back for more and to shake it off. This literal like shake off, just how they, when they get out of water and they just shake it all off. That's how I feel like they shake off disappointment or shake off uh, past pain and hurt. And it's pretty incredible. You know, we can't, I know there are people who can't relate to um, animals that are not the same species and putting them on the same level at all kind of freaks them out. You know, this kind of anthropomorphizing it's called where you say, oh, the dog looks sad or the dog looks happy. But it's like, you don't have to be a genius to look and see another species and see in the eyes that there is fear or there is pain or suffering or there is joy and glee and you can see it. It's just like being a human is being actually able to recognize, even if you can't communicate in the same way, you can recognize that emotions are there. And that isn't it kind of arrogant of our species to assume that those emotions wouldn't be shared with other species? And if we can recognize it in another human, we should be able to recognize it in other species as well. And so we can see when a dog just literally kind of shakes it off and comes back to life. And there's been so many examples of that for from the different um, rescue organizations that um, I've read about or supported. And you see the stories. And, and one of my friends actually that who runs, it's called Animal Alliance here in New Jersey. And it's the largest rescue organization in New Jersey. And a friend of mine, Annie Trinkle, started it. And she, she said she would just go down to the Philadelphia shelter. I, she still does this and just grab as many dogs as she could because it was a kill shelter. And she just put him in her van and brought him back to New Jersey. And over the years, she's really built quite a network here. And so both my dogs, Orlando and um, Miss Squidgy, Squidge, Cleo Squidge is her official name. They were both from Animal Alliance. And she has told me of some pretty horrific stuff and she's seen it. And um, animal rescuers are on a, also on another plane of just uh, like, I bow down to you. The work you do uh, is, is so important and so powerful and so challenging to the spirit. But when you see the resilience of the animals and especially these dogs or cats that have been abused and, and learn to... Um, trust again and forgive. And with, because to trust again, you have to forgive. So I think that could be one of the biggest lessons we learn from dogs is how to forgive. Because if you don't forgive someone who has wounded you, guess who's hurting the most? You are. That, that lack of, um, or inability 
And it doesn't matter really at the end of the day, if it's a huge wound um, or a small wound, there's no, um, there's no rationale uh, large enough to hold on to it, to hold on to that and, and not forgive. So we've seen instances of, of humans forgiving huge atrocities and it does everyone, everyone benefits from that because the person who doesn't forgive is the one who ultimately is being hurt by the lack of forgiveness. Doesn't mean you don't, you're not justifying behavior, but you can forgive. Um, You can forgive people because that is a gift of selflessness to, to do that. And then in essence, you're helping yourself. So this is where we can learn so much from our lovely friends, our dogs. And even if you don't have a dog, you can probably steal someone else's for the day and and get some of this joy and enthusiasm and unbridled sense of play. So let's play more, wag our tail more and bark less and always do that with a sense of great uh, love and laughter and movement so that you can be your best and you can share that with others around you. So sending love to you and lots of tail wags. Bye. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.